This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Well, uh, this morning we are going to be starting off in Wales. Has anyone ever been to Wales? Anyone here been to Wales? Yeah. Anyone here Welsh? Any Welsh people? I see a hand over there, nice, amazing, amazing. Well, we are starting this morning in Wales, and it's a story of a young girl called Mary Jones, a young Welsh girl called Mary Jones, and she was the daughter of a weaver from Langflinchal. I think, I mean, uh, could you shout out how we say it? Yeah, no, no, you're shaking your head, I don't blame you. Lang, I'm not sure it's a real word, but Langlifler ye pennant. And uh, she, uh, in 1974, uh, she had her eyes set on a, an item, uh, something she desperately wanted uh, but couldn't afford. She was, afford. she was just nine years old. And so Mary decided to save up for this item. And she saved not for one year, not two years, but for six years to buy this thing she wanted. Now, we struggle to wait for six weeks, let alone six years, especially kids. They know when Christmas is coming, and even waiting for that is hard. But for six years, Mary saved for this item. Now, the other problem, other than the fact that she didn't have very much money, was the fact that this thing she wanted wasn't available near to where she lived. In fact, the nearest one she knew of was 26 miles away. And another problem Mary faced is that she didn't have any shoes. And so after six years of saving her hard-earned pennies, she decided to walk for 26 miles barefoot through the rugged Welsh terrain to buy this thing she'd so desperately wanted since she was a young child. Now, does anybody know what that item was that she saved up for and walked all that way for? A Bible. A Bible. Now, what caused that young girl to want to put herself through all of that? What was it about this book, about the Bible? See, I know some people who, when back in the day, Harry Potter was being released, and a few people who got into fancy dress with their friends and went at midnight and waited for their copy and queued for hours. But that's nothing compared to what Mary Jones did. In fact, this book, the Bible, which I and many of you in this room would own, is illegal in many countries in the world. Just to own one of these, you are risking your life. People have died purely for owning this book. What is it about this book that would cause people to risk their lives for owning it? You don't see people risking their lives for Harry Potter or the very hungry caterpillar. (laughs) So what is it about this book? Well, today we are going to be doing uh, the next installation of our series, Redig the Wells. And today we are talking about redigging the well of the Word. Redigging the well of the Word. Now, as a new community church family, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And this is a well that the church has been built on, one that we don't want to stray away from. And that's why this morning we are redigging this well. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is 
breathed out by God. We've heard a lot about the breath of God today. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, if you've never researched the trustworthiness of the Bible, the authority of the Bible, then I'd really encourage you to do that. Perhaps you're uh, someone who wouldn't call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, but you're on a bit of a journey. That's why you're here this morning wanting to explore more. Then that is amazing. Can I encourage you, take time to study why it is possible to trust and base your life on this book. And if you're a Christian, maybe you've been in church your whole life, perhaps you've never taken the time to actually think through, like, what? I know we say, well, the Bible says, but why can we trust this book? I'd encourage you to take the time to really look into it. It's something I did in my life several years ago. Having been a Christian for years, I thought, I really need to work out, why can I really believe this? And I spent months reading sources and, uh, and different uh, kind of uh, things I could get my hand on to it. Can I trust this? And I was deeply convinced that the claims of the Bible are true and trustworthy. And if you're interested in going deeper into that, we're not going to be doing that this morning. We're not going to be going through the historicity and looking at Josephus or the manuscripts or any of that stuff, which I'd encourage you to do. But you can find links to resources that will help you do that on newcom.church forward slash, you could probably guess, Bible. We like to make it easy for you. So check out newcom.church forward slash Bible. But today we're going to redig the well of the word. And you might say, why do we have to do that? Because every week we read from the Bible. In worship, people read the Bible. In the sermon, someone reads the Bible. Why do we need to do that? Well, we need to redig the well of the word because in our DNA, in our nature, is a propensity to drift from, to doubt the word of God. To ask the question, Did God really say? And it's a tale as old as time from the start of the human race. And we're going to explore that. We're going to go right to the beginning of humanity. So if you've got a Bible with you, open to Genesis chapter 2. Now obviously for many of us, bringing a Bible to church isn't something we do. But if you don't, can I encourage you to do it? We do have the words on the screen. But there's something about becoming friends with your Bible, getting to know it more. And so if you've got one with you, I'd also like to say, if you'd like to own one and you don't own one, then we can give you a free one after church today. Just speak to a member of the host team. So we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work, to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You can eat from every tree, but just not this one. For in that day you will eat of it, you shall surely die. So he jumped down a few verses, jumped down a bit later in the story to Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now what is happening in this story? You might say, why are we reading a story from the beginning of humankind? Well, because the story we've just read is as relevant then as it is today. Nothing has changed. Now what do we see happening God has said, you can have any fruit from any tree apart from this one. And Eve and Adam are walking through the garden, maybe just kind of by uh, chance, they're by this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe it was intentional, we don't know. But they're nearby, and a snake starts speaking to them. Now, what does the snake say? It's really important we look at these words, because they're words we hear again and again and again today. It says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, what? Did God actually say? Did God really say? It's a question that comes to each of us. Did the the whisper of the snake, did God really say? Are Are you sure he said that? Are you sure those were his words? Are you sure that's the word of God? You're not misremembering or maybe you've kind of warped it a little bit. Did God really say that? And we've all had those did God really say moments. Each one of us here has had one of them. Moments where we're kind of confronted with this whisper and you're faced with a situation and this whisper comes into your your ear, into your mind, into your heart that says, did God really say that? Often in moments when we're confronted with a situation that's a bit uncomfortable, where we have to sacrifice something, a bit like Eve thinking, well, I I want that, and I, I, I think I'm not meant to have it, and it feels like a sacrifice to say that, but I kind of would like it. And then just in that moment, the question says, well, are you sure you can't have that thing? Did God really say that? We know those whispers. We've all heard them. Maybe it's this one. Did God really say that you're to be generous with your money? I mean, you worked hard for it. Did God really say that about the sanctity of life? I'm I'm not sure that's relevant today. No, no, no. Did God really say that about the importance of church community? Did he really say that? Surely you can just do this thing on your own. Did God really say that about fighting for justice? Did God really say that about serving others? Did God really say that about what it means to be a man? What it means to be a woman? Did God really say that about the right context for sex? Surely not in 2021. He didn't say that. Did God really say that about the design for marriage? Did God really say that about the need to love your enemies? You have to forgive that person. Surely God didn't say that. Did God really say that Jesus is the only way? Surely not. 
And what's Eve's response to the whisper of the serpent? In fact, she responds pretty well. She says, no, God did say this. She says, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And in many ways, this is a great example to us. It's important to us that we we know the word of God, that we can say it back when the whisper comes. No, God did say that. I remember. And it's good. It's one of the reasons why it's great to memorize scripture. I don't know about you, but for me, there's been times of life where I'm feeling a certain way or I'm presented with a certain situation and just a verse that I've memorized pops into my head and it's like this this kind of automatic defense gates. No, God said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God. And it comes to you and these things, you're like, no, I'm not going to believe you're a lie, devil. Eve responds well. It's a good model for us. However... I want to point out two things at this point in the story. Something that until recently I never actually noticed in this story, having read it many times. But it's this, two things. Well, one thing, but connected. Both the snake and Eve slightly twist what God actually said. So let's, let's look at the Bible. This is why it's good having it out in front of you. What, what did the devil say to Eve? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? No, God never said that. He just said, don't eat of the one tree. God never said, don't eat of any tree. God just restricted this one tree. Already you see the devil twisting the words of God. It seems pretty unreasonable to not eat of any tree. But the devil twists subtly the words of God. So much so that someone like myself, having read this many times, I've never picked up on that until recently. And then even more subtle, Eve's response, which for the most part is very good. Let's read again what she says. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Spot on. Next bit. Neither shall you touch it. Now, when we look back to chapter two, did God say they couldn't even touch the tree? No. He never once said, don't even touch the tree. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of a bit subtle, it's a bit minor, but already Eve is slightly twisting the words of God and adding to it. She's putting in extra rules that God has never actually said. And the snake is trying to do the same thing. Now, why is this relevant? I've had many of my friends walk away from their faith in God. And often, uh, after we're talking about, well, talk me, like, where, where are you at at the moment? Like, what, what happened? Why, why, why kind of have, have you come to this place? And, and I love, uh, you know, I, I think it's so important to have those chats. For me, myself, I, I walked away from my faith in my early 20s and then came back a couple years later. And I think it's so good to, to not just ignore those conversations, but to push into them. So I say, what happened? And my friends will share with me about different, like, different things that angered them about the church. Different experiences, different things. I I don't like that Christians have done this to me. I don't like that church leader did this to me. I I don't like this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. But that's not who God is. I'm against how the church has done this and this and this. I'm like, yes, but show me where that is in the Bible. You've rejected something that God would reject too. It's the soul adding and adding. And eventually Eve rejects something despite having started in what seemed like a good place. That's why it's so important that we know the word of God and not a slight 
or even major manipulation of it. So what's the devil's next strategy? He tries his first plan, didn't work. He jumps into his second approach, which is to completely contradict the word of God. We read it in verse, uh, uh, let's see, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Just completely contradicts God. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He just completely contradicts what God says. Now again, this is nothing new. As someone who believes in the word of God in 2021, you will experience this on a weekly basis. A world around us that is saying what you say is good is actually evil. What you claim to say God says is evil, actually that thing is really good. The world around us doing what it says in Isaiah chapter 5, people who call evil good and good evil. It's nothing new in 2021. It's just maybe a bit more obvious as our nation increasingly rejects the word of God and calls what the, the word of God said is good calls it evil. And the sad truth is, and for me this is, is so upsetting to see, is that it's not just the world out there where it happens. Increasingly, you see online and even in churches not too far from here, where people who will say, no, actually that thing that you say God says is wrong is actually right. That thing you say is, 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 is really good that God is actually, no, what you believe is evil. People claiming to be Christians who call evil good and good evil. So what happens with Eve? Does she manage to reject the devil's whisper again? Well, unfortunately and tragically, no. What does it say? She saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Now picture the scene. It's so, it's so helpful when you're reading the Bible to not just read the words but to enter into what's happening. Picture the tree. Here is the tree, but what's behind it? Hundreds of other trees. They're in a garden. Here is just one tree, but behind are hundreds of trees with thousands of fruits. And yet, this one tree and one fruit is all that Eve can see. How tragic is that? But how normal can that be in our own lives? See, God has given us so much. He has given us all things. And we say, mm, I, okay, okay, that's great, but there's just this one thing I really want. And we... We don't know why exactly Eve did what she did, but we, we see in her, in the description, she saw that it was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. She knew what God said, but all of a sudden that begin, be, begins to fade away. Perhaps like us, she looks at it and says, well, it, it looks good. I mean, there's no indication to say the fruit didn't look great. And, and, and maybe she thought, well, it seems a bit harsh of God to not let me eat this. I mean, what harm does it cause? I mean, tell me, who, it doesn't harm me. It doesn't harm anyone else. Who, who is to say it's wrong for me to take this fruit? I don't know how you can justify calling this wrong. Besides, isn't God love? If he loves me, he, he wants me to have these nice things. How could God stop me from having something so nice? Besides, fruit is fruit. How can this be wrong? 
And it's the same for us now. The same for all of us. If you've been a Christian for long enough, you'll know how it works. The temptations, the, 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 the feelings, even when you're reading the Word of God and you, you can read a particular passage or command and you think, well, that seems a bit harsh. I mean, why would God command that or do that? Uh, and there's, there's times where you think, well, if I didn't believe that one bit that God says, it'd be a lot easier for me at work. It'd be a lot easier for me if when they ask those questions, I, I could either just kind of brush that under the carpet or just it'd be a lot easier if I could, not that I'd ever do this, but just take a permanent marker and cross out that verse. Like, it, it would be a lot easier. And besides, God is love, so surely if he's love, then those things he said, I, I know they're technically in the word, but they can't really apply to today. Did God really say that? Besides, at the end of the day, this is my body. Who's, who's anyone else to say what I should do with my body, with my sex life, with my home, with my work, with my money, with my time? And the temptation of the snake is the temptation that we still have today, to have power and control. To have power and control. What does he say to Eve? You will be like God. You think, well, I'm not tempted by that today. No. We all want to have power and control over our own lives. This is the mantra of our day. We might not say, you can be God, although you sometimes see that online. <laughs> no, the, the subtle thing now is, you should live your truth. You define what is true. You define what is right and wrong. And if anyone else has the audacity to say you're wrong or that some God says you are wrong, that is disgusting. You live your truth. You be like God. It's a story from the beginning of time as relevant to you and me on the 31st of October, 2021. It's the air we breathe. And so how do we avoid this? It's easy to like look at Eve and be like, ah, oh, how? You idiot. Like, I would never do that. But the truth is, this is embedded into our DNA. This is uh, not something that just happens, you know, for the weak ones. The ones who don't know, you know, how to, to really know God. Actually, no, this is a temptation and challenge for all of us. So how do we avoid it? How do we avoid it as individuals and as a church? Well, here's the key thing. As important as it is, so, so important is to know the Word of God. We need to know the author. We have to know the author. See, what happened with Eve? She knew what God had said, but there was something in her heart, something within her that didn't cherish and know the one who'd said them. Maybe it's the same for you. Maybe it, I have many friends who have memorized countless verses from the Word and have walked away and are far from God. See, it's not just about knowing the words. It's about knowing the one who said them, knowing the one they point to, falling in love with the one who has given us the Bible. See, that's why we call ourselves a Word and Spirit church. We are a Word church. 
When we preach on Sundays, this is going to be quoted. This is going to be devoured. This is going to be our source of truth. That will never change. But we're not just a word church, desperate to, to get more head knowledge of this word. No, we are a spirit church, desperate to know the author, to experience these words, to live out these words, to know the living word. That's why you hear this phrase, word in spirit, because it's not just about us puffing up our heads, but warming our hearts to the God who's given these words to us. And secondly, as well as needing to know this for ourselves, to spend time with God on a daily and weekly basis, to get this in us and to know the author, it's important that we do this together in community, that we do this together. Now, this could have been the case with Adam and Eve. See, we've, we've talked about Eve and the serpent, but where was Adam? He was right next to her the whole time. And what did he do? Well, in the dream scenario, he could have said to her, Eve, you remember what God said. You remember his words to us. And besides, look at all these trees. <laughs> look around you. You're, you're fixating over these one. I, I know I've been there too, Eve, but you know what it's like. We just sometimes can get a bit sidetracked, but remember God. He's so good. We've walked with him. Remember his love. Remember his goodness. Remember what he said. And besides, remember when he said to us that we have dominion over the animals. Why are you listening to a snake? Tell that snake to shut up. You are the one who has authority over him and that he's shaping you. Come on, Eve. That is what community does. It points us to the word of God. And instead of taking his God-given mandate to love and serve and protect his wife, he stayed silent. And when we step out of community, we stay silent rather than point people to the word of God. This isn't some hobby horse of, oh, come on, guys, let's get together midweek or do this because, you know, we're all bored and we need something to do. No, the truth is every single day when you wake up and you pick up your phone, the whisper of the snake comes at you. I mean, if you need any more convincing, look at the Apple logo on the back with the bite taken out of it. It's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. <laughs> Every time you open your phone, you turn on your screen. It's not telling you, worship God because he is good. It's pulling you away. It's pulling you away. And if you think now and again, once a month, I might drift in, drift out to church and that will top me up and I'll fall in love with God again, you are kidding yourself. And it's not just what you will gain from being in community, it's what you give. See, if you stay silent, then other people miss out. If you play the role of Adam, then the Eve's in the church miss out because you have a part to play to point people to the word of God, saying, yes, I know that right now it doesn't feel good because you've longed for that thing your whole life and you don't know why you haven't yet got it yet, but God is good. You know that. You know he loves you. Think of all he's done. Think of all he's given. That's why we need community, to point one another to the word of God. Now, in Westminster Abbey, 1953, the Queen was coronated. And the Bishop of London presented the Queen with a Bible. And in that moment, he said, we present you with this book. 
the most valuable thing this world affords. Now picture that scene, surrounded by the wealthiest, the beautiful crown jewels, priceless crown jewels, the gems, the artifacts, the robes, even this wonderful building they're in. What was the most precious thing in that room? The words of the living God. Now praise God we have a, a queen who believes in these words who's faithfully honored the Lord and the word of God. But sadly, the nation in which she is the monarch has forgotten the word of God. And church, it's time for us to redig this well, to not take it for granted, to not assume that the next generation will cherish the word of God like Mary Jones did. See, opinions change. Empires fall. Rulers and celebrities, preachers and pastors, popularity and politics, kind words and cruel words, they will all come and they will all go. But the word of the Lord remains the same. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's redig the well of the word of God and let's redig this together. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your word, God. We, we thank you that we don't right now live in an age where we have to save for years and hike for miles to be able to hold your words in our hand. Lord, we think of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world right now who would de just delight in being able to have a copy of the Bible that we can so easily have in this country, Lord. Would we never take that for granted? Would we never take the fact that this is the most precious gift the world affords? For the men and women who fought and died so we could have a Bible in our own language, so that we could know you for ourselves, God, we thank you. And God, we want to know you for ourselves. We don't just want to have puffed up heads that have an academic knowledge of you, but God, we want to know you in our hearts deeply, Lord. And Lord, I, I, I thank you that you are still speaking, still using your scriptures to bring life, to bring challenge, to bring hope, to bring joy. And God, we pray that we would never be a church that neglects or rejects your word. Lord, help us to reject the whisper of the devil and cling to your word. Even as the world hates us, would we choose you and choose you and choose you every day, no matter the cost, because you are good. And we love you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to wrap things up there, but just a few practical steps I want to encourage you is, uh, first of all, if you don't own a Bible... Of course, yep, you can get one on your phone, amazing. But if you would like to own a copy for yourself, then we can give you one after this meeting completely free. Come have a chat to me or any of the host team. Secondly, I just want to encourage you, um, if you'd like to study the Bible more, to visit newcom.church forward slash Bible. There's some great resources on there that we've uh, intentionally created and crafted that we think, look, these are great, they'll really help you in this journey.
For others, I think the next step is to, to really step into community. And for you, that might be um, to meet up with someone, to read the Bible with them. You might say, I need just help understanding this. And equally, it might be you helping someone else. We have a younger generation coming through that you can give your wisdom and knowledge of the Word of God to. And finally, just as I was praying and preparing for this sermon, I really felt like God say that there's some people here who, who the whisper of the devil is in your ear at the moment, and you know that there's something in your life that you have been doing, maybe for some time, that you have intentionally rejected the word of God. You felt uneasy about it, but you tried to silence the voice of God, and increasingly the whisper is taken over. In God's kindness to you this morning, he's inviting you in to reject the lie of the devil and to receive his grace and walk in freedom. Now, only you know what that is. Perhaps it's something that no one else has any idea about. And the good news of Jesus is that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you can be free from that this morning. The Bible also talks about confessing our sins one to another, about walking in the light. And part of community is confessing our sins one to another. One of the best things in my life is have people alongside me who've kept me accountable when I'm tempted to return to the whisper of the snake. And if for you there's something you know that is gripping your life that you want to be free from, God in his kindness this morning is saying you can be free. And so I just encourage you to bring it to God to bring it to someone in the church you trust and to receive the grace and freedom of walking in the word of God.